Time for seafood news. You are listening to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News Managing Editor Amanda Buckle. And I'm Ernaberry Seafood Market Reporter Lauren Castiglione. This podcast is brought to you by Ernaberry's Reporter Magazine, which is out now. The latest issue is packed with great stories, including a food trend forecast for 2021, a look at how restaurants have introduced new design concepts as a result of the pandemic, the scoop on Maui's new Captain Omega line, and much, much more. You can read a free digital copy of the magazine by visiting earnerberry.com slash reporter. Thanks, Lauren. Our top story of the day is that we have finally brought back our weekly seafood news video. Woo-woo! I really missed being in front of the camera, under the lights, <laughs> although our production capabilities are slightly different than in office, but I think we did a, a commendable job. We did, but I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, you know, I, I always had this problem with, at the beginning, at least of the pandemic, with figuring out like the perfect space, you know, when you're in a meeting on Zoom, and it's a, definitely a lot harder when you're actually recording it. And I know, like like I said, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, oh, you know, I, I got to, you know, look professional. And, and now, like, that we're months into it, and if we have a Zoom meeting, I'm just like in a rocker in front of a fire. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I just have no, no care. Right. But, uh, but no, I mean, <laughs> It felt, uh, felt nice. I, I put on some lipstick. I don't know if anybody could tell. I haven't put lipstick on in ages. <laughs> I could tell, and I appreciated it. Thank you, Lauren. But, uh, yeah, no, check it out. It's on, it's on YouTube. Uh, we'll be doing it weekly again. Like I said, just, it feels, feels good to be back, back where we belong. It does. So uh, now for our real top story of the day. A COVID outbreak has shut down Trident Seafood's processing plant in Accutan for three weeks. And of course, there's you know no good time for this to happen, but Trident's getting hit right at the start of the A season of the lucrative Bering Sea groundfish season. So last weekend, four roommates from Trident's plant tested positive for coronavirus, and Trident has a closed campus. So these employees had undergone a 14-day quarantine and tested negative before flying to Akatan. Um, they couldn't leave the campus, yet they still somehow got the virus, which is obviously very concerning especially considering the money and resources that Trident is spending to keep these employees safe. Now, Trident is conducting an investigation to look for gaps in protocol that could have resulted in positive cases. And of course, there is fear of further transmission, but the shutdown will hopefully prevent further spread. And as a precaution, there are reported 365 Accutan plant employees waiting in Anchorage until the company makes a decision. What's crazy is that Trident isn't the only plant in Alaska shutting down during A season. So Unice's plant in Dutch Harbor has also put a stop to their operations. Unice's been battling a COVID outbreak since early January when four plant workers who attended a New Year's Eve party tested positive on January 5th. And just to really show the impact here, a little less than half of the 1.4 million metric ton catch of the pollock cod and other ground fish catch, they're supposed to go through, uh, to be processed through these two plants, um, Unice and, and Trident. Um, but UNC President Tom Enslow, he told the Anchorage Daily News that the closure, you know, obviously it's a big deal, but it doesn't have much impact overall. So this is at least, you know, a little, you know, a little bit of a good news. Right. Um, he said that uh, they would not be processing much at this time and continue that since the fisheries are rationalized, a late start does not uh, harm us or our partners. It just delays the season a bit. But full quotas can and will be caught in process. So at least, at least there's good news there. Right. So um, while we were just talking about closures related to COVID, some indoor dining in places where they were previously prohibited will finally be reopening. 
Michigan Governor Whitmer announced on Friday that indoor dining can resume in the state as of February 1st. Bars and restaurants are limited to uh, capacity at 25% or 100 people, whichever is less. And they also have a 10 p.m. curfew. But hey, it's a start, so Michiganites can make those Valentine's Day reservations. I, I think that's very exciting. I, I mean, I know New Jersey right now, we're still at a 25% capacity. And, um, you know, I haven't I haven't had a, a problem going out to eat. I don't know if, if you have. Um, I have not gone out to eat. You have not gone out to eat. Well, then and, I, and that's probably not because I don't want to. I mean, it's slightly, it's but it's finding babysitters <laughs> with the kids. So, <laughs> yeah, so, we've, yeah, we've snuck out in the day and had a couple lunch dates and, uh, and, and, you know, and, but like I said, I mean, during the day, it's, you know, I guess we haven't really gone out for, for a dinner to really see like a Friday night impacted by the 25 right. but, but, uh, you know, so good news for, for Michigan. Um, and last week, uh, the Chicago public health department commissioner announced that indoor dining would resume soon. They did not give a specific date, but Chicago will also be at 25% capacity. Uh, like I said, not a lot, but still better than, you know, only being able to ride outdoor dining. You know, I personally can't imagine dinner dates lasting that long on, on a cold Chicago night. So we would all look like Bernie Sanders if that were the case. <laughs> <laughs> Every restaurant is Bernie outside. <laughs> and finally, on January 22nd, Baltimore and Washington, D.C. gave restaurants the green light to reopen indoor dining. For Washington, D.C., indoor dining has been shut down since uh, December 23rd. It was supposed to reopen January 15th, but then the insurrection at the Capitol resulted in an extension of the ban. Um, Baltimore and D.C. also at 25% capacity, but you take your wins where you can get them. Let's keep the good news train rolling. Choo-choo. <laughs> so last week, the Global Aquaculture Alliance, also known as GAA, announced that Brian Perkins will be joining them as their new chief operating officer. Perkins is a seafood veteran who most re recently served as regional director Americas for the Marine Stewardship Council. And during his six years at MSC, Perkins was responsible for building a team that energized the program in the Americas region, which included increasing consumer awareness, the number of MSC-labeled products, and the number of participants engaged in the MSC program. According to GAA, Perkins is joining at a critical time as it expands from aquaculture to wild fisheries with the addition of the Seafood Processing Plant Standard Issue 5.0 and the Responsible Fishing Vessel Standard, which is owned by GAA sister organization, Global Seafood Assurances. The plan for 2021 is to merge GAA and Global Seafood Assurances, which will be called Global Seafood Alliance. Perkins will be responsible for developing and implementing strategies to integrate and transition to the Global Seafood Alliance. In addition, he will be responsible for managing best aquaculture practices, including the oversight of the BAP market development team, program integrity team, and certification team. So Perkins will be based out of GAA's Portsmouth, uh, New Hampshire headquarters, and will report to GAA CEO Wally Stevens. Um, according to GAA, the new CEO role was added to the organization with the intent that he or she would transition to the CEO role in due time. So uh, as we previously reported back um, in February 2020, so almost a year ago, uh, Stevens was named the acting CEO of GAA after Andrew Malison's sudden departure from the role. Um, in 2018, Stevens had stepped out of the executive director role for Malison to take over. But two years later, GAA revealed that Malison would be transitioning to a role as a uh, strategic advisor to GAA's executive committee. Um, which is part of the organization's board of direction, uh, directors. So congratulations to Brian Perkins. Thanks I know that, Brian. I know I'm excited to- hands full. GAA, yeah, a lot, <laughs> lot going on there this year. 
So in other news, President Biden hasn't been in office for a week, but he's been busy trying to overturn Donald Trump's proclamation that he signed in June that allowed commercial fishing to resume in nearly 5,000 square miles of federally protected waters southeast of Cape Cod. Biden signed an executive order that could restore the first marine national monument in the Atlantic Ocean to its former status. Environmental advocates are, of course, thrilled with Biden's executive order. Fishing groups, on the other hand, not so much. An attorney with the Fisheries Survival Fund said that the hope of the fishing industry is that the Biden administration will reach out to the fishing communities to discuss the marine monument and listen to their concerns. Bob Vanassi, the executive director of Saving Seafood, a Washington-based group that represents commercial fishermen, said that as long as it's reviewed fairly in terms of the science and law, there's no reason that fishing shouldn't be allowed there. But that's if a political decision and about Obama's legacy, then it's going to be a problem. So it's a story that we'll certainly be following. Thanks, Lauren. In other news, the National Marine Fisheries Service released its final survey of Gulf of Mexico shrimp landings for 2020, and the data reveals the lowest landings on record. So for December 2019, landings for all species headless reached 6.6 .6 million pounds, compared to 5.5 million in December 2019. But overall for the year, we'll just say woof. Woof. <laughs> yeah. So looking at the cumulative uh, landings from January to December 2020, um, the National Marine Fisheries Service is reporting an annual total of 70.78 million pounds. And this is 12.4% below the 2019 total of 80.72 million pounds. And 26% below the five-year average of 95.58 million pounds. But these numbers shouldn't come as a big surprise. The Southern Shrimp Alliance reported in July that shrimp landings through the first half of the year were at the lowest levels reported over the last 19 years. At the time, NOAA had released data through the month of June, which showed that shrimp landings were at 26.5 million pounds, 37.8% lower than the historical average for the previous 18 years, and the lowest ever reported in the Gulf. In the first half of the year, the historic low is being driven by landings out of Louisiana, and that trend continued in the second half of 2020. In June, NOAA reported that just 3.7 million pounds of shrimp were landed in Louisiana, which is a 34.3% decrease from the same month the year prior. Landings continued to drop with August 2020 decreasing 59.3% compared to August 2019, and October 2020 landings dropped 49.3% compared to October 2019. December landings in Louisiana actually had a slight uptick from 1.7 million pounds in 2019 to 2.1 million pounds, but overall Louisiana landings were down 25.9% from 2019. Um, landings in Florida, Alabama, and Mississippi also decreased, but Texas landings actually increased slightly. And finally, who wants to hear some news about the Pangasius market? Oh, me, me, me. I'm excited. <laughs> So the Pangasius market has slowly and steadily been rebuilding after a tumultuous few years stemming from a regulation shift in September of 2017 that went from the FDA to the USDA. Since then, we saw record high wholesale and replacement prices, rising raw material and administrative costs, and lengthy delays due to new and in-depth inspection processes. In the wake of high prices in 2018, farming of the species increased and U.S. imports were strong. With higher volumes in inventory and reports of consumption trailing off, 
prices fell to record lows and inventory levels became burdensome. If diminishing demand was not causing prices to weaken, it was the industry players discounting product take advantage of the much lower prices now being offered overseas. And to top it off, enter a global pandemic where food service species saw the most dramatic of losses. So monthly Pangasius imports have fallen well below the previous three-year average for the entire month of 2020, except for the most recent November data. Volume surged 121.7% from the previous month, marking the highest November on record since 2016 imported 27 million pounds. In looking at year-to-date imports, surprisingly, 2020 has edged 3.2% over 2019 volumes, despite dealing with the obstacles put in place by COVID-19. As for prices, standard moisture frozen fillets are trending on the higher end of the Erneberry quoted range as the market saw increased sales uh, leading into and through the holiday season, with industry participants expecting the trend to continue through and to Lent. Um, especially as tilapia prices strengthen, the industry is optimistic that consumers could turn to Pangasius as a substitute value finfish. And that does it for us. So once again, this podcast is brought to you by Erner Berry's Reporter Magazine. Check out a digital copy by visiting ernerberry.com slash reporter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>